Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's class titled The Gift of Wings. We began talking about wings and how it's all about passion. It's all about how we feel. For example, we learn you could give a million dollars to Tzedakah and have zero merit, and you could give a dollar to Tzedakah and have merit more than the man who gave a million dollars. How does that work? What's the answer, Ephraim? What's the contradiction? I only used to give a dollar. <laughs> so you, you, you certainly were in that step of the man who was getting the blessing. But why? Yishai, why if someone gives a dollar, he'll have greater, greater merit than one who gave a million dollars? And not only that, the person who gave a million dollars is almost a sinner. What's, what's the logic? Because the source of the funds, maybe? I don't know. Because the source of the funds? Nice answer. Sharon, what's your thoughts? Well, maybe a dollar to the guy was uh, really stretching his budget when a million dollars wasn't stretching. Now, that's a good point, certainly true. It depends um, how much you gave of yourself. Very valid. But there's much more than that. There's something much deeper here. It also relates to last week's uh, Sidra that um, each gives a half a shekel. We're all equal in the sight of God, and uh, we all relate to one another as part of the congregation. Yeah, connected to last week's Torah portion about each being half. Thank you. But I wanted to point out here, amazing, Shulchan Aruch says, you give a man a million dollars with a frown, keep your money. You've lost all your merit. A million dollars, you've lost your merit. You gave, you didn't give him anything, it's, but at least you smiled at him and told him, I'm sorry, or you showed him how you feel his pain. That's more than all the money that... that the person who gave a million gave. It's about how we give it. That's very, very important. The energy, or as we're in our terminology, we're going to call it the wings, the Godfin. They give an example of a man. You could tell a man who's at work for the money and someone who's there because he loves it. You walk into a room, right? You agree with this, Baruch? You walk into a room of people working, you could tell which secretary is there to pass time. Which one is there because they're passionate about it? Rafael, you're in the business. You know this stuff. You agree? The person who's passionate, he has these gods and he has these wings. And unfortunately, we've said that many abenini cannot create passion. Last week's class, we learned that many people don't have the ability to take what they're learning in their mind, to take the greatness of God, their love for God, and create a feeling out of it. And if they can't create a feeling out of it, then they have no passion. If they have no passion, then they're in trouble. Not only are they in trouble because they're not going to be involved in it, they're not going to be passionate about it, they're not going to be excited about it, but more. As we discussed last week, the two shuls, remember the story of the two shuls the Baal Shem Tov came to? And he said one of them is empty of prayer. The one where everyone was passionately davening, he said, is empty. The shul where everyone was schmoozing, he said, it's full of prayer, and his students asked him, how? how? What's the explanation? He said, the place where everyone's davening passionately. The passion is taking their prayer straight to God. The shul is empty of prayer. There's no words of prayer there. It all ascended to God. The shul which I told you was full of prayer. Everyone was talking there. The words stayed exactly where they came from. They didn't go nowhere. So passion, God's in these wings, the Ava and Yira, love and fear of God, they are what takes... Our prayers takes our mitzvot onto God. So if the Benini is lacking the ability for this passion, then he's lacking the ability for his mitzvot, his Torah, to go straight to God. That's real trouble. That is real, real trouble. 
And here we're going to learn a big secret, and it's going to take us to the Talmud and track the Kiddush in 40a, but we're going to get there momentarily. Melissa, the question is clear? Fantastic. Okay, chapter 16, page 70. Chapter 16, page 70. We'll begin on the left-hand column, consequently. And we're sharing that a Bainani, he cannot create the love and fear of God that is revealed. What he can create is he, cre he could create the love and fear of God that his mind agrees. His mind agrees to love God. His mind agrees to fear God. Sorry, not his mind, I apologize. His heart agrees to love God. His heart agrees to fear God. The heart doesn't feel the love, it doesn't feel the fear. But, but the heart agrees that I'm going to act as if I love God. As, I'm going to act as if I fear God. Let's see this inside. Consequently, when the Bain and he ponders this subject, he ponders the greatness of God and how relative to God we're nothing, how, we need, how our connection to God is the greatest thing in the world. When the Bain and he ponders this subject in the recesses of his heart's and mind's understanding, with the oneness of mouth and heart, This is a very key point in Judaism. Oneness of mouth and heart. The brothers of Joseph did a terrible sin. They threw their, brothers, their brother Yosef into a pit. They truly hated him. And we learn hate is similar to idol worship. They did something terrible. But at the same time, the Torah compliments them. And the Torah says, congratulations, you did something correct. What did they do correct? They looked at Yosef and they said, we don't like you. Piv v'libo shavin. Piv, your mouth, v'libo and your heart, shavin are equal. If you hate someone and you smile at him, that's no good. The Torah says that's not appropriate. That is not the Torah way. Not that you have to go to someone and say, I hate you. But if we're in it together, if we're one Jewish people, we're here to work things through, then yes, we need to be able to express ourselves and say, you know, Rafal, I'm really, really disappointed about this. So, or that. <laughs> with a smile or without a smile? Doesn't matter for that. <laughs> the Torah demands, the Torah necessitates that we're able to verbalize our feelings. The Torah feelings. says they were tzaddikim. The Torah says they were tzaddikim. Which is always hard for me to... And we're not going to go there now, because, correct, no, thank you for sharing. So back in here, that's what we're saying, with the heart and mind's understanding, with the unanimity of, with the oneness of mouth and heart, that's a very focal point, that the heart, the, the mouth and heart are in it together. Schneer, isn't there an issue, though, if you, if you <coughs> convey what you really mean, that you might embarrass the person, if it's in a public... Uh, Good, so what's the answer to that? Tell them in private. You're right. I'm not telling you you need to bang on the beam and shul every time you come and say, you know what, I don't like this guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy. No, 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 not at all. I mean, you have to find the proper setting and, and, and how to say it. And by the way, there's a full chapter in Shulchan Aruch in, in relation to Yom Kippur, which defines detail by detail how you should, how you should connect with someone and tell them your feelings. Full chapter, maybe even more than a chapter in the laws of Yom Kippur. Okay. I tried that with my former in-laws and they really got upset. <laughs> in that he, up, he upholds by word of mouth that which has been resolved in the understanding of his heart and mind. Your mouth and heart 
are agreeing to fulfill what your mind has decided, namely to direct his desire toward the Divine Torah. Your heart is committed to fulfilling what your mind has decided, meditating on, on it, on the Torah, day and night, an oral study. You spend your time moving back and forth. We know Jews, when they learn Torah, they move back and forth. Why? Because when we got the Torah at Mount Sinai, we learned that the Jewish people, we were going back and forth. Um, the, the Jewish, out of fear, when God gave us the Torah, we had that fear. We were trembling. And similarly, when we learn Torah, we have that passion. So you're, study, you're meditating on the Torah day and night in oral study while His hands and other bodily organs carry out the commandments, the mitzvot, in accordance with the resolution of His heart's and mind's understanding. So if your heart says, I will do what my mind is saying, I may not feel it, but I will do it, then this understanding is closed in the act. Your mind's understanding connects to the action, speech and thought of the Torah, and its commandments. Your mind's understanding now is going to jump into the tzedakah you gave. So let's go back. You're giving a hundred dollars to tzedakah. And we said you need to give it with a passion, and yet you have no passion. You're, the, you, today, your, mind, your heart has not created this fiery passion to give the tzedakah. So should you not give the tzedakah? If one day you say, I have no interest in it, you shouldn't give it. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. We're saying, give the tzedakah. Give the tzedakah. And your mindset that this is what Hashem wants is closed in the action, the speech and thought of the Torah and its commandments, providing for them, as it were, intelligence, vitality, and here comes the, the, the key of what we're going to discuss, and wings. Your mindset that this is what Hashem necessitates, this is what Hashem wants, that is the wings. What are the wings going to do? We are with to soar on high, to take your action, to take your money that you gave to Tzedakah, to take it on high right before God. I don't remember the specifics of the story. There was a man, not the holiest of men, who came on high. And... Hey, they took his actions, <clears throat> good and bad, and there was no question that the negative was overpowering. When all of a sudden, onto the scale, the heavenly scale, come, come these horses with the mud still on them, and the wagon and the people inside, and it slides right on. All the, and it outweighs the good. The good, the good outweighs the bad. What happened? This man, he one time saved a group of people that were stuck in the mud. And the entire action, the entire action came on his behalf and outweighed. We, we need our actions to come right in front of God. Well, we, need the, we need the vitality, we need the energy. So we're lucky that even as a Bainani where our heart can't create at times this fiery passion, just our mindset, this is what I'm going to do, the commitment, I'm going to do it, that is enough. Is there any, are there any questions? This is a very, very key point here. Why is this such a key point? Unless we're all going to know that what we're going to do, we're going to be successful, oftentimes we're going to give up. If we're not going to know that I have the ability to be successful, so why am I doing it? What we're learning now is, although the Bainani is challenged, 
but he has all the tools to be successful. Even though we may not be able to create this fiery passion, but that's not necessary for us to be successful. As long as we do our part, we meditate about God, and we create this resolution to do what He wants, we'll be successful. Any questions, Yeshua? Okay, so let's continue. This commitment of the Benini, this love and fear created by the commitment, it is the same as if he practiced them with real fear and love as revealed in his heart. That means the Benini who cannot create a revealed passion in his heart is still going to have the same accomplishment as a person, a tzaddik, who's able to create this fiery passion to God. And what type of fiery passion? Listen to the brackets. With the desire of fervor and passion that are felt in the heart and soul thirsting for God by reason of the glowing embers of love in his heart as mentioned above this fantastic felt love. Nonetheless, the Benini who's made the commitment is going to have the same accomplishment. Inasmuch. So why does this happen? Why is it that the Benini, who doesn't have this awesome passion, is nonetheless, his, his mitzvot are able to soar straight before God? What's the energy that is telling the Benini, give this money to Tzedakah? What is the energy telling the Benini when he sees something inappropriate on the internet not to look? What's the energy telling the Benini when he doesn't want to get out of bed? Get up, get up and out, we need to go and pray. That commitment. <coughs> so that commitment is his wings. Although it may not be a fire, but the commitment is, are his wings to, to go straight before God. To take his actions straight before God. And that's what we say now. Inasmuch, why, does the, why do, do the actions of a Bainani which doesn't have this passion? And the passion itself naturally are the wings of, mitz, of the Torah and mitzvot. So why does this Bainani, why do his actions ascend to God inasmuch as, as, as it is this understanding in his brain and heart recesses that is instrumental in leading him to engage in them? <coughs> This commitment, this understanding, is what is making him do the mitzvot. And had he not so delved in it, he would not have occupied himself with, this, with them at all, but with his physical needs alone. If a person had not make, made this commitment, he's not going to get out of bed and go pray. If a person had not made a commitment to get up and go to shul, get up and go to the Beit Midrash, go and learn, he's not going to go learn. And even someone who's studious, so seemingly you'll say he doesn't need anything to get out of bed and come to a class? Even such a person, if he had not made a commitment to come to the class, he would not come. What would he do? And even if he is naturally disposed to be a serious student, nevertheless, he would naturally love his body more. Hashem created us, we love our body more. Our body, our natural desires come first. So if someone is able to get up and go to a shiur, well, the commitment he made to go to the class it are the wings that are going to elevate the Torah study he has there. My Shemandal, any questions? No? And now we're going to learn a tremendous quote from the Talmud in Kiddushin 40a. This is a famous idea, and I think we can never talk about it too much. And that is, 
You know, in Hilchot Shabbat, we learn that if, God forbid, someone is deathly sick, you could do whatever is necessary on Shabbat. You could drive, etc. You could, the doctor, anything, anything a doctor says you do for him. There's a fascinating question. I'll let you look into the question. Here's the question. What is better? What is better on Shabbat? If you need to feed a non, uh, you need to feed a Jewish man meat and you have no meat. The doctor says he needs to eat meat. And there's no meat there. So what is better? To go and slaughter an animal appropriately on Shabbat, which is not allowed? Or to give him non-kosher meat? Which one outweighs? An interesting thought process, but completely off topic. So, on, the Torah says on Shabbat, if someone is not well, do whatever is necessary. Comes the question, if one doctor says, I'm going to be able to come to this patient... Should you have a, two more doctors come to see what they could do, or one doctor is enough? Or, for example, you call three doctors, you're trying to call it, you need someone, it's, it's a matter of life and death, you call three doctors, say, could you come, could you come? And they all, they all call back and say, we could all come. Should they all come? We have a rule that on Shabbos, or when it comes to a life-threatening issue, the more the merrier. It says on Shabbos, if someone is not well, the greater you are, the more of a mitzvah it is to drive that person to the hospital. Mitzvah begado. Saving someone's life. It's not like you say, oh, I don't want to drive on Shabbos. This guy is about to die, God forbid, but I'm not going to drive. So I'll tell, oh, you're not so religious, you drive. No, 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 the Torah says the other way around. The more religious you are, the, the faster you should drive. This is a serious thing. We have a rule in Judaism that is Machashava Tova HaKadosh Baruch If you have a good intention you wanted to do something even if you didn't fulfill it Hashem counts it as if you fulfilled it. So for example if someone wasn't well and you said you know what I'm going to be the doctor to cure him and guess what someone else did you're not necessary Hashem counts it as if you cured him. Someone needed tzedakah and you're about to call them up and, and commit the money and you call them up and you, someone else did it. Nonetheless, you get... It, Hashem considers as if you gave him that amount of money. It's not a bad deal, huh? You get to keep the money and you get... So basically you're saying intentionality is important. 100%. If someone, can, if someone had in mind to do a mitzvah and they weren't able to do it for some unfortunate reason, Hashem counted as if they did the mitzvah. But you should know the other way around. If someone made a commitment to do something bad or they didn't do it, don't worry, Hashem doesn't count it as an action. But the terminology here is inappropriate. Let's look at the terminology. Good intention. Good intention, Hashem. Literally translated, who can help me out? Mitzarfa. Sirus connect attaches it lima'ase to the deed to the deed good intention Hashem connects to the deed if you had intention to give a million dollars and you did not give a million dollars there was no deed there was no action so what is the Gemara saying that if you have in mind to do something good Hashem connects it to the deed there is no deed you didn't do anything um, 
remind not not to Shmuel. Gavriel? Yeah. Gavriel. Your, the question is clear? But here, this Gemara is the key to our Tanya. The Tanya is saying that Machashava Tova, if you had good intention, that means you created love and fear in your mind. Haha, that's enough. Let's, let's translate the Gemara now anew. Machashava Tova, good intention, if you created love and fear in your mind. HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God takes your mind's intention and connects it to the action. Those are the wings for the action. Again, Machashava Tova, good intention, love and fear created. Although there's no passion, the Gemara tells us in Kedushin 48, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God comes and Mitzarfalamaseh connects it to the action. Those are the wings of the action. It's a clear Gemara. So does that mean that intentionality is actually more difficult to create, so consequently you are going to have a lot more invested in intending to do something than if you take the other route, the negative. Explain to me the, the okay. negative. The, the negative. Yeah, to explain it, the question, please. It doesn't please. take much effort to come up with a negative thought or a, something contrary to what is expected. Ah, you're asking why is it in the positive, Hashem counts it no. not in the negative? That's because Hashem loves us. And Hashem says, I'm going I'm to, for good, I count it, for bad, I love you. I'm not going to get you in trouble for your bad thoughts. The thought. question is, does intentionality require more effort? That's not the, That's na not the natural understanding of the Gemara. Let's continue inside. Our sage is page 70, right-hand column, middle of, the middle of the column. Over here we're going to learn again that this point, that the intention itself is enough without the passion, is clearly in the Gemara. Our sages of blessed memory hinted at this when they said, The Holy One, blessed is He, unites a good thought to the deed. Hashem unites a good thought to the deed. One would have expected them to say that the Torah regards the good thought as if it had been put into practice. More appropriate, the Gemara should have said that Machashava Tova, a good intention, so Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Male Alav Hakasuv, the Torah considers it Ki'ilu as if he did it. That would have been more appropriate. If you have good intention, we consider as if you did it. But you're telling me good intention. We connect to the deed, but there's no deed here. One would have expected them to say that the Torah regards a good thought as if it had been put into practice. Let's, leave, let's see footnote number seven. They're going to clarify a little bit. As the Talmud continues, a later statement of the Talmud says this idea differently. Even if a man intended to fulfill a commandment, okay, Moshe Mendel intends He's going to go ahead and fulfill the mitzvah of giving $5 million. But was forcibly prevented. Unfortunately, he doesn't have $5 million in his bank account. So scripture ascribes it to him as if he had performed it. The scripture ascribes it to him as if he had performed it. The terminology here is different. It says it's as if you did the mitzvah. It doesn't say we connect your thoughts to the deed, it says, we consider as if you gave the five million dollars. The question is, continuing in the footnote, why the difference in expression? 
The answer is that each statement conveys a different meaning. This statement that we learned, that if you have good intention, Hashem connects it to the deed, let's see inside what it means. The explanation, however, is that it is the revealed fear and love in the heart that are closed in the act of the commandments. The revealed fear and love that a person has that passion and connect to the mitzvah you do, giving them vitality to soar on high, giving them the wings. Inasmuch, why? What's the big deal here? You do a mitzvah, naturally it goes straight to God. Well, why do we need wings? Why do we need these godsin? Why do we need fear and awe? Who, who created this notion that we need... You do something good, it goes straight to God. Well, the problem is, when you do something good, it's physical. If you drink a nice hot coffee from Starbucks for, at a Torah class in order to gain energy, you did something awesome, but it's all physical. You made a bracha, you elevated it, but nonetheless, it's a physical act. How are you elevating it? Ah, so we need some spirituality here. Could anyone recall from chapter 1? What, what is... No, no, no. What is the closest aspect of spirituality within our body? Of what's the, within our physical body, what is closest to spiritual? Blood. We learned the blood. Why? Blood has something spiritual. It has heat. And we discussed then that heat is the closest aspect we physically have to spirituality. <clears throat> we need to be able to take something physical. We need to be able to take this physical coffee and have something spiritual elevated to God. And that is the fear and love of God. That's why it's so important. Those are the wings. Those are the intermediate from the physical act we've done. Now, even when you give a million dollars, but you gave a, a, one million physical dollars, how are we going to take that act and make it spiritual? The fear and love connect with the act, and they take that act and they make it a spiritual act. And if, this, if the fear and love are missing, then how are we going to elevate that spiritual act? Well, what's the answer what we learned today? our commitment to do it, that itself will be the wings to elevate the physical act. Let's see back inside. In as much. Five lines from the bottom of the page. In as much as the heart is also corporeal, the heart is also physical, as the other parts of the body, which are the instruments of the action. The body is... How do we do action? Through the body. The body is physical. Except... That it is internal. The, the heart is internal. The heart is within our body. It's a deeper aspect of our body. And their source of vitality. The heart is the vitality of love and fear. And therefore, it can close itself in their act to be their wings elevating them. The heart has the ability to create fear and love that elevate your action. However, the above-mentioned fear and love that are in the intelligence of the brain and the recesses of the heart 
are of an infinitely higher order than that of action, and they cannot close themselves in the performance of the commandments to become their intelligence and vitality, as it were, to uplift them to soar upward. The commitment a person made naturally is not enough to elevate your actions to ascend to God. Ah, but the Gemara tells us nonetheless, Hashem gave us a gift, were not. For the fact that the Holy One, blessed is He, fuses and unites them together with the action. Hence they are called good thought. For they are not actual awe and love in a revealed state in the heart, but only in the intelligence of the brain and in the recesses of the heart as mentioned above. Let's summarize here. The, the commitment to do something, the only reason that is enough to elevate the physical action is because Hashem decided so, like the Gemara said. The Gemara said, Hashem decided that if someone had good intention, He connects it to the action. But naturally, the commitment itself is not enough because it's in the brain. How is that going to go now to the heart and connect with the action? That's Hashem's gift to us. So Hashem has granted us all a gift that even if we don't have the ability to create a physical love and fear, says the Gemara in Kedushin, that's okay. Hashem's going to connect your mindset, the commitment to the action. <clears throat> Any questions? Correct. Skipping the love, skipping through our heart when it goes from our head to the action, without the passion in the heart. Oh. So it's not emotional. That's right. Completely. This person is not passionate. He's not emo He doesn't have the emotional love and fear to God. We discuss in chapter 2 that there are four worlds. Anyone recall the names aside for Basha? What are the names of the four worlds? Is that what the Pardes is? That's a similar idea, but not the same. Oh. Rafael, you're familiar with the four worlds? Basha, what are the four worlds? Uh, the four, uh, uh, Bria, uh, What's the highest? Uh, Atsilos. Atsilos, Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya. Thank you. This, Hashem created, to create this physical world, there was a process. There's the infinite God. There's a, there's a part where Hashem says, I'm, I'm committed to making a world. There's the aspect of Hashem where He's allowed for something physical to exist with no form. A lower level is where Hashem says, take this world and put a form to it. And the final level is, the final world is where Hashem says, let's make it happen. The, our world. Four different realities. And each one is true. So when I look at each one of you, within each one of us, there are these four worlds. There's a physical person. There is a person, the way he's one with Hashem. There's a person within everything in this world. That's why we learn, we say tzaddikim, when they look at a table, they don't see the table. They're able to see the full godliness within the table. They're able to see all different levels of the table. 
or anything in this world. And each world has special things connected to it. Let me give you an example. The world of Berea, the first world connected to the physical. So there's four worlds, as we mentioned earlier. The first world, Atsilos, is separated from anything physical. The lower three worlds, each one is the source of different things. Berea, the highest of the three, is the source of intellect. Intellect plays the biggest role in Berea. In Yitzira, what plays the biggest role? Our emotions. So now we're going to learn that this gift God gave us, that He's going to take our actions and elevate them on high, is not necessary for our actions to ascend to the world of Yitzira. If the world of Yitzira is in motion and our mind has created, if the world of Yitzira is our emotion and each and every Jew has a hidden fear, fear and love of God, as we're going to discuss more in chapter 18, each and every Jew has a, within us, there's a hidden love and fear. So that means any mitzvah we do naturally has the ability to ascend to Yitzira, which is all about Emotion. What do we say? Hashem did us a favor and He allowed our actions and He allowed our intellect to connect with the action. That is to take our action to the world of Berea. The world of Berea is intellect. And over there, naturally, we don't have the ability to elevate our actions to that world. Because we're missing the passion that connects our mind to the action so we don't have the ability to elevate what we do to the world of intellect and that is the gift Hashem gave us Hashem gave us a gift that any action we do can be elevated to the world of intellect even though naturally we don't have the ability to make that happen it's a little of a deeper concept but let's, we're going to read it, we're going to learn it together here we go and with this we're going to conclude chapter 16 but the Holy One, blessed is He, produces this connection of our intellect to the action in order to elevate the performance of the commandments and study of the Torah, which are carried out under the influence of the said good thought into the world of Berea. This novelty Hashem gave our actions is to elevate it to the world of Berea. The abode to which, the, to which ascend the Torah and commandments that are performed through intelligent, key word here, awe and love, which are truly revealed in the heart. Only awe and love created out of intelligence can bring your actions to that world naturally. <clears throat> Hashem granted us that even if we're missing this revealed awe and love, it could still ascend to this higher world. But even without this gift from God, they still rise to the world of Yitzira. They could still rise to the, intermediary, to the intermediate world by means of the natural fear and love, which are hidden in the heart of all Jews from birth, as will, later, as will be later explained at length. 
Let, let's summarize where we're holding. We'll conclude chapter 16 and we'll get ready for the exciting chapter 17. Let, let's make a summary and then we'll take the question. So in summary, we started off this chapter sharing that there is a very crucial rule of thumb for the Bainini and that is that although the Bainini may never achieve truly revealed and passionate love and fear of God, doesn't matter. He's able to fully fulfill his mission on this, on this earth with no lacking. Let's say that again, very important. The rule of thumb we've learned in chapter 16 is that though you may lack a passion, you are completely fulfilling the reason you were created on this world 100% in the ultimate sense. That's a rule of thumb. That's a, that's a rule like no other. Don't get dejected if you haven't created that love. If every morning you wake up, and often, many of us do, and every morning we're like, I don't want to get up today, and unfortunately we may struggle with this our entire life. But we're still fulfilling. This is why we're here. And although we're struggling, that's not a sign of negativity. It's tough. It's hard. We're not t- saying it's not hard. But that is not a sign of anything negative on our behalf. We can still be completing fully our mission on this earth, though to the last day we may struggle. And we will struggle. That is a summary of chapter 16. Why is chapter 17 so exciting? Because with chapter 17 we're going to conclude the first section of Tanya. We're now going to have full clarity. The Tanya, in a, in a, in a sense, and, and um, when we finish chapter 17, we're going to make an overview of the last 17 chapters and discuss it. And you could see also in the soul maps, um, in the Tanya maps, how it's broken up. But within these first 17 chapters, we're going to have learned the soul map, how the soul, the different parts of the soul. We have answered how one can be a Bainini in one way. We're going to learn later a second way. We've gone through the tzaddik, the bainini, the rasha, and we've discussed many tools for the rasha. There's nothing like review. That's why I'm very excited about it. Um, yes, Rafal. I have a question. When you're talking about Bria, are you talking in the sense of creation? Bria means creation. No, but I'm saying... But when I'm talking, it because it's the first world of the physical, and therefore it's called creation. It's the first physical act. The first, the, th- the item closest to the physical. Yeah. Any other questions? Because it starts with a thought. Is that correct? The Berea is the world of thought? Correct. That, yes. So yes. Because if we can train our mind, that, I mean, we create our future. It's from going from. When we're saying Berea here, we're talking about. Are these worlds within us? You said these are within us. They're within everything. Everything. Meaning, let me, just, let me just explain that for a moment. Everything in this world, if we break it down to its essence, we'd all disappear. We're all, we're all one with God. There's nothing else in this world. God, who is here before we... And we say, Hashem is the same now. You're God before the world was created. You're the same God after the world was created. Nothing has changed in relation to God with the creation of the world. But there's a world. There's a process how the world was created. Hashem, so to say, 
Because Hashem could do anything. So of course, if He wanted, He could have just created our world. For reasons that are discussed at length, God decided He's going to make an order to the, the creation of the world. There's not just going to be... You know what, I'd like to share this point. It's a very important point. We have a few moments left. Why didn't God snap His fingers and say, Yishai, here's a beautiful world. Why did He create this whole wonder of what we call Seder Hishtal Shalut? Why did He create the world in, a, in this order, starting with Atzilut? Why? There's an incredible, incredible message. Sharon, you understand the question I just asked? Why didn't God create the world just something from nothing? That means there's God, and there's our physical world, and nothing in between. Why do we have all these, these four different worlds, and within each world there's so many levels? Why did God create the world in such a way? For one most amazing reason. He said, I want you to be connected to me. I don't want you to be like that ant on the floor that has no connection. Hashem created the world in a way that we may be very low, but nonetheless, if we look at that string, we're still connected all the way on high. From creation until where we are today, there's a path that we follow. The example is given, if you were in space and would give your, and, and pass a string to Jim Stone, to Yeshua, every time Yeshua shakes that string, it's going to have a ripple effect all the way up to heaven. And that is what God created. He created a world where, we're, where we, although we may be very low, we're at the end of the, the rope, but with every action we do, we have a ripple effect in heaven. We say we're partners in creation, right? We say, Hashem, what do you mean partners? How? Yes, we're partners. Hashem created the, way, the world in a way that each one of us, Yaakov, Chevel, Nachalaso, this is a quote in the Torah, Eov, we're all a rope. We're all, I mean, it's not a joke. There's a rope on top of David's head. He doesn't see it. But, but it's there. Each one of us, there's a rope on top of us. And every step we make, there's a ripple effect. So to answer your question, going back to the initial question, Hashem created every single item in this world in its full spec, in its, in, with every part of creation within them. But that's how Hashem is within them. That means within each and every one of us, we have the essence of Hashem. And then Hashem allowed His essence to be a little revealed and the level of Berea to be created. And then the level of Yitzira. So these are all how Hashem is revealing Himself within each one of these four worlds. So what about the other two worlds? It's Berea and Yitzira. Yeah. What, what, it doesn't mention the other two. The highest, world is, the highest world is not mentioned, which is Atzilut. Oh, these are not the highest? No. The highest one, which is God in His essence, is not mentioned in our... Oh, in the okay. And, and the lowest world is our world of us. Yeah, yeah. Any other questions? Any other questions? Gershon? No. Okay, thank you very much.